Hi guys, and welcome to another episode of the Empty Stands podcast. The last match week saw us see Ellen Hazard score yet another hat trick, and Arsenal still remain at the top of the table. It, it had many sides to see that were marvelous to, to view, and of course, we'll be delving into all of the talking points in just a minute. Ibuka, how are you doing today? Hi, Chucks, I'm good. So, it's one of those episodes where it's just me and you talking football. I'll be looking forward to it. I'm excited and yeah, let's let's get into it. Let's talk about, you know, the teams that managed to pick up victories and then some teams, especially those that we are red, I forgot how to, to win games. Yeah. Don't worry, Arsenal on the other hand, wearing red still came up with three points so we'll take that as a red victory any which way no I no no I never thought I'd see that so good about we celebrating and that's not the no. we're all we're all putting on red it's red it's red we're celebrating the color that okay. screams brighter than any other so yeah all right it's one of those things I'll take it all right, and I wouldn't be the only one taking away this red victory because it was one that everyone looked forward to, the North London derby, and no one was certain how this game would go. Would Arsenal come up with three points and remain at the top of the summit, or would Antonio Conte put another wheel in the spanner of the Gunners? It seems like Ateta was ready for this one, and even the Arsenal fans who we spoke to described Arsenal as another beast this season. Here's what Lutana had to say about the game, the North London Derby. So this London Derby showed and proved what as many Arsenal fans had known and kept to their chest, that Arsenal is a different animal this season. Arsenal really missed Thomas Party, especially in the United game, and he showed as he provided a man-of-the-match performance um, against Tottenham. They also seem to have learnt from the manual mistakes regarding cutting out counter-attacks, although Hurricane's lack of pace helped their cause. Then also, Conte is under-utilizing under spurs and the talents at his disposal. His negative tactics might prevent Tottenham from going to the next level as regards their title and cup ambitions. They have been riding a luck, especially in the Chelsea game, the West Ham game and even the Fulham game, and they finally got unstuck. On the other hand, the Gunners come forward. I still can't get over Lutana saying Arsenal fans have said that this season Arsenal yeah. is another beast. And yes, they missed Thomas Partey in the United game. But Ebuka, would you describe Arsenal as another too, beast this season? It's what still do you too see early. Like, yes, they are playing well. Yes, we are seeing, you know, proper Ateta ball, if you want to call it that. This is a side that. You know they can they can find goals from anywhere. They have a very good striker, and then the supporting cast behind him, Martinelli, Odegaard, Saka. These guys have stepped up at different parts of the season, but it's still too early. Like we're just eight games in. I think Arsenal fans talking about the team being a different beast. We've heard this story before. That's why I'm not excited. We've heard it before, so it's going to be difficult. But 
Let's see how it goes. But Zuki, looking at the game, the North London Derby, yeah. When when you saw the game on paper, Conte was going into this game without losing yet this season. And remember, in the last episode, we spoke about him a lot, and we felt with Son and every other member of the team performing up to speed, it just felt like they were going to come into this game and give Arsenal a very tough time, or even come off with three points. So. In respect to Arsenal in this regard, I'm saying, don't you think they've proven themselves, even though, yes, they lost against Manchester United? This win against Tottenham, don't you think it shows that they've gotten their tactics and the personnel right on paper? They're a bit fortunate with the red card because I'm not saying it wasn't a red, ta- a red card tackle, but if the game was 11 against 11, it might have ended differently. I don't like the way Spurs approached the game. Conte was very pragmatic. He wanted to sit back and capitalize on counter-attacking situations. They had some of that in the first half. And I think Son especially should have done more because the transitions were going through him and it would either be an overhead pass or an underhead pass or a poor decision and the attack would end. Even the goal that Spurs scored, which was a penalty, the Richarlison won that penalty, you know, first by getting onto an overhead pass from from Son. You know, Son was just not it on the day, and then you know they managed to get in through Kane uh, scoring that uh, very good penalty. Before that, Party had scored from what 25 yards or so, and it was a very good goal. But then Arsenal did what champions do, which is to bounce back, find a way to score. The second goal was a very scruffy goal, but the ball needed to go in and it did. Then they got the all-important third goal to just kill any hopes of a comeback. And that is what champions do, but I still believe that it's premature to put them in that bracket. They had a very good game against Spurs, we give them credit. But, nah, bro, <laughs> it's us now. Now, we've seen this thing how many times? <laughs> well, well, it's still early days, like like you rightly said. And, well, we've seen us now, we've seen Spurs bottle things, but we're not certain who's going to finish the season at the top four, who's going to bottle their position when it comes to the end of the season. However, still looking at this game week, Lutana highlighted the flaws Kane had in that game and some of the tactical decisions that put Conte off. But we spoke to Esosa and he went a bit deeper into the tactical analysis of the game. And here's what he had to say. You know, coming into this game, everyone knew two things for sure. One, Arsenal were going to have the bulk of possession. And two, Tottenham were going to depend heavily on counter-attacks to score. And you know, this left Ateta with the task of finding out how to break down that Tottenham's 5-4-1 very low defensive block while ensuring that his boys counter-pressed enough to force Tottenham to make rush decisions and he did it excellently well. You know, against this was something that was missing against Manchester United which is why Rashford was able to score two counter-attack goals because we were not counter-pressing very well. But this time around, we ensured that every time Tottenham had the ball and we were trying to hit us on the counter, we pressed them into submission till they gave the ball away or they made a very, very 
rushed pass that was that did not meet um their intended targets you know against Tottenham we were excellent pressing was good counter pressing was there technical security was there excellent first and second phase of ball progression they were good well when you compare the performance against um, united and against Tottenham yeah, you can say they were better in the counter-pressing and, and the likes. But Ibuka, what do you think stood out for Arsenal in this game? I think they just wanted it more. From the first minute, they wanted it. They wanted to dominate the uh, possession. They wanted to worry Spurs. And Spurs felt very comfortable because, you know, having their preferred three centre-backs, Longley, Dyer, Romero, you know, they felt very confident that whatever Arsenal would throw at them, they would be able to survive it. But you could see the the determination in Arsenal. We got to see that derby spirit, and that's what pushed them. Uh, maybe the extra 30 percent that they needed to get the win. Arsenal were very determined. Uh, there was nothing new in terms of how they set up the formation or the personnel. Uh, I think tactically we saw the fluidity in in their movement and the interchanging of positions which we've seen and talked about in the past but i think this match was just about who wanted it more and arsenal did want it more they wanted to prove that yes we lost against united but we can still do it against the big teams they were very eager to get the ball back whenever they lost it which um mentioned and they took their chances when you know the chances came about so yes Arsenal deserves to win and I'm excited for them and their fans because this is a good period I'm just trying to tell everybody let's be calm it's very very early to start making these title talk and all these oh Arsenal can't no 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 let's calm down it's still too early guys yeah it's still early ball Arsenal still remain top of the table after eight game weeks and let's see how long they're going to stay because it's their position to lose in, in the end and another team had to grind out a result hard fought and it came off of the foot of the former Loni who had to put the sword in the casket for Crystal Palace on the deck. A screamer nonetheless and Ebuka I'm sure you enjoyed every bit of that. I did. Well, I, I did enjoy every bit of the goal. Well, every bit of everything else, no. <laughs> yeah, it's, the thing is, the game could have been very different. Thiago Silva almost got sent off in the first half. And that was when we were a goal down. I think he took a very needless risk. And another referee on another day would have sent him off. That would have been a different story. So we got lucky. I'll be very honest. We got lucky. But then the issues that Chelsea have as a team are still very obvious. And we saw that again, you know, creativity and also not taking the chances that we had. But credit to Obama Yang, like he had that one big chance and he took it like a proper top striker that we know he is. And I was so happy for him. Uh, Thiago Silva got the assist, you know, that was a good one. But then after that, we struggled to really do much. But we are just grateful to, to Gallagher. And that's something that we've missed, which is you know, midfielders that can shoot from outside the box and score. 
you know georgie can't do that it's not his fault it's just not his game uh kovacic probably has the work but, but you have mouth sir. i'll get to mouth <laughs> i'll get to mouth <laughs> yeah, yeah. kovacic probably has like the worst shooting technique ever like kovacic i don't know how he scored that that fantastic goal against liverpool last season if Kovacic normally, you know, if he's shooting from outside the box, just, just if you have if you have a bird or something in the stadium, just be careful because it's probably going to die. Like, that's how we what he's shooting is. <laughs> um, yeah, and the other guys love his cheek. Love his cheek is even scared to shoot in the first place, and then when he does shoot, it's another thing. So we don't have a lot of that. And you mentioned Mount. Yeah, Mount is that person that can shoot, but unfortunately for us. Mason Mount has not started the season well. In fact, he has not started the season. Like it's as if he's not even there. He's struggling, and it's becoming really hard to justify his place in the Chelsea team, and also justify his place in the England squad. So it's something that he needs to work on. He needs to do better in in the attack. He needs to provide you know goals and assists. He needs to create chances. You can't be someone that has what just two open play assists in two years. Someone so ridiculous start like that because he he doesn't do enough. You know, it's mostly from set pieces, and this is not Southampton that you can do it. James Ward Prowse and you're good. No, we need to see things happen from open play, and even the assists from set pieces are not even coming. So it's, it's another story entirely. So yeah, Mount Mount is someone that needs to work and the good thing about Gallagher you know getting this getting the goal of winning the game was before before the Crystal Palace game you know a lot of Chelsea fans were giving him stick and rightly so because he was not performing um, it, it was a thing of patience and everyone felt like okay yes give him time but we're also a very impatient fan base because we want results now we want to win now so seeing Gallagher you know, get sent off in the game against Leicester City, um, act like he doesn't know how to control the ball in the game against Leeds. You know, those little things were very annoyed. But if there's one way to get the fans back on, on your side, it is to pick the top corner <laughs> in the 89th minute of a game where, <laughs> you know, Chelsea was struggling to do anything. That is how you get the fans back on, on your side. I'm glad he did that. Graham Potter said something recently. He said um, Gallagher is desperate to start. He's pushing to, to start and he's making a case to start because you come in and you do that. So something that we know no other midfielder in the team can give at the moment. It's a good way to force yourself in. So to the Kovacic and the Mason Mounts and the Loftus Cheeks and the rest of them, you know, they have to step up because if this guy can do it and do it consistently, then you, there's no way you're going to start ahead of him. So I'm happy for Gallagher. I'm happy for for the win. But you know, before we we got together, I spoke to to Fee about the Chelsea game, and I managed to get you know some extracts from the conversation and yeah we've just listened to that and hear what Faye had to say about Chelsea's win against Crystal Palace. Good evening guys Faye here. Thanks for having me back on the empty stand. Crystal Palace versus Chelsea, a game where you only see a draw. Potter was going for his first win in charge 
and uh, still trying to get his uh, preferred eleven, not knowing whom to who to select or who not to select. Yeah, uh, Chelsea won the game by two moments of individual quality. The first, some will argue, was rather for two shots because Thiago Silva, the guy who assisted Premier Abimeyan for his first Chelsea goal, could have been sent off earlier at the referee. I judge him to have handled the ball. Uh, incorrectly or rather stop the goal scoring opportunity but sometimes it works in your favor and sometimes not we are lethargic at best and uh, we are still trying to develop our pattern of play let's hope that this would be done sooner than later because i fear for the team and the obvious lack of creativity screams well kepa had a very good match he had his uh, hand in that day uh, hopefully we can move on from here win is all that matters Yes, it seemed it seems where he was was definitely on the same wavelength as you speaking about Chelsea's issues and some of the positives that came out of that game against Palace. Well, another team that's struggling and struggling really hard this season is Liverpool. Now it's it's shocking really to say the least. Some people would say it's the seven year curse or something of that nature, but I don't believe in things like that. I believe if you yeah, get your people. tactics right, I've, your I've heard that thing from you before. When you say some people, like, can you? No, can I, you I, I, can, I can say <laughs> I can say I've not said that before. <laughs> nah, nah, I, I can say I've well, not said that before. Yeah, from, 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 the, from someone in our in our community. So I'm trying to remember who he was. Maybe maybe Albert or or his, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I said anything of that nature. Well, if I did probably just echoing the thoughts of people out there you get it's one of those things that has been said so i mean just have been echoing what what people have noted and, and all of that i don't believe in curses so even if i did put it out there like yeah just one of those things that came out because of what i've seen in the in the media but yeah i'm not certain what is going on at liverpool and i'm sure liverpool fans as well are not certain those who don't believe in curses are not sure those who do now, certainly it is a curse, but we got in touch with Ovo, and here is what Ovo had to say about the Liverpool game. Yo, 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 Ovo here, and this is my post-match reaction after Liverpool versus Brighton. <sighs> well, we started the game very poorly from a Liverpool perspective, and um, bad defensive errors and lack of effort from Verge, Trent, Thiago, Van Dijk and basically the entire team but um, the team remained calm and we grew into the game and um, we took the lead in the second half and I was expecting us to even go four goals up, I mean four two up but um, we made some weird substitutions and we lost momentum and Brighton were able to make one and that's what they needed but um i'm not really that crestfallen even though it's a bit disappointing we've had a terrible start to the season but i believe we'll get back to where we're supposed to be in a volcano now i i love i love over to pieces i just need to to mention that on, <laughs> on this episode like over is a always a brother the brother of you know the empty stands and you know, he's He's a brother to me personally because yeah, Ovo has always been there to support support me on this on this podcast journey. <laughs> and yeah, you guys should also check Ovo out. He 
Yeah, big shout, big shout out to yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He runs the Footy Stands podcast, so yeah, you guys should check him out. He's putting up some some really good content out there. Shout out to Ovo. So yeah, Chooks, back to this Liverpool thing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I would like to you. The result was the result was shocking. <laughs> I didn't expect it. I would like because <laughs> like I remember when I was setting my team. You know how like I had a very good game week, yeah, um, but. There's a way the devil works. Yeah. Hmm? See, he <laughs> does not rest. He's working overtime. My village people too are also working overtime. Because <laughs> I was supposed to get Madison. Right? Like, that was my thing. I'm going to hmm. get Madison into my team and all of that. Yeah. But then, right before I made that transfer, something just came to me. I was like, guy, what about Diaz? I was like, ooh. Because <laughs> I think about it, I better have a new manager. Oh. And we know Dezebi is a good guy. Like mm-hmm. He he used to coach one of my favorite teams in Serie A, Sassolo. I loved them to pieces. That's why I was supporting Skamaka. I'm happy that he scored. You know, shout out to my boy. Um, yeah, finally. Yeah, yeah, I'm so happy. You know, we talked about it on the last episode. For him to do it like some days, exactly, I'm just yeah. excited. So, you know, looking at all of that, I was like. Ah, that's true. But the thing was like, if we can reason this thing, Diaz, or like, bro, you're speaking the truth. <laughs> and I brought in Diaz. Yes, Diaz had an assist, but you can't compare it to what Madison yeah, or even what Trussard did. And, you know, Trussard scoring a hat-trick, it just feeds into the narrative um, of Liverpool's defensive issues, lack of concentration, poor positioning, and, you know, proper individual mistakes being made consistently it is crazy and a lot of the goals that liverpool have conceded if you look at the average um, position of the shots it's tilting towards liverpool's right side and that's the trent alexander arnold position people talk about him uh, being yeah he's been getting getting some stick for his defensive position but these things are not new. Like we we knew right, that, we knew that these things existed. We knew that he was like that. But I think the problem was Trent could, you know, make a mistake and then Liverpool would not concede. And then five minutes later, he's scoring a goal or he's giving an assist. Exactly. So he would always cover up for that. But then now it's like the team as a whole is not playing well. So because the team is not playing well. It, it feels like every mistake is being punished and i can understand what liverpool fans are going through because i've experienced that at different points with chelsea where it just feels like one mistake and for whatever reason a striker or a player that has missed you know maybe three one-on-ones in the last game he's missing sitters left and right. when he sees your team and you make a mistake he becomes the most clinical finisher in the world because you you're, edward scored against chelsea Edward, like this this guy. This guy. <laughs> like this guy couldn't buy a goal from do you understand? It's like these are the things that happen when your team is not playing so well. And I feel for Trent because you know, Chooks, you you, you you used to have Trent in your FPL all the time. You used to watch Trent play. Like Trent was uh, there was, there was one time like he, he was the guy. But not anymore. Just just like Bruno Fernandez, you know. But still like Trent was the guy. 
Don't go there. Leave Bruno out of the strength we are facing. Let's face it right there. took Bruno off. Let's face it right there. I'll go back to talk about United. Don't worry. But yeah, chances you're making mistakes because I fought for the first goal. I'd fought for the second goal and the third. It just felt like everything was him because the cross that came in for the third goal, like he. The way he tried to stop the cross, just like guy, what's wrong with you? <laughs> what are you doing? And I, f- I also feel for Liverpool fans because it's a difficult period. But it's important to trust the process, trust the manager. This manager has done it, you know, time and time again. So trust him to get it right. And you know, it just takes a run of good results, and everyone is back up to speed. You know. Salah would get back to being Salah, who would be that FPL constant, you know, that player that you always counting on for goals, just that now he's not. Um, Van Dijk would get back to being his solid self. You know, it just takes time. And, you know, Klopp is, yes, he's not perfect, he's making mistakes, but, you know, I, I think Liverpool fans should just be patient. Yeah, but Chokes, I could go on and on about Liverpool and their mistakes. I just want to know what your own position is. Well, it's it's clear that Liverpool have a dot not going right for them this season. Looking first of all from their midfield, and you can look at the back and you see a lot of defensive lapses. The focus has been on Trent, but it's not just Trent that has been poor. It's just that I think the rest of the defence happens to not be in sync this season. So even when Trent is out and not performing, it's now obvious that his his flaws are costing the team. But it's not just him. So we have to look at all of that. And many people seem to have underestimated the work rate that Sadio Mane brought in terms of defending and defensive positioning and the press. I'm not saying Luis Diaz is not doing as much or half as much, but it's it's one thing to get used to the style of play of the team and it's one thing to, to have been doing it over and over again. So I think there's going to be this issue with Liverpool for at least a season or two. They can sort out, get more players who can fill up midfield positions. And because their midfield seems to be outrun in most of the games. And Trent, at some point, if not now already, now more than ever, should should actually start working on his defensive position. I think that in itself could solve... It would reduce the attacking output, but his attacking output actually. But I think it would do better for the team as a whole. Yeah, I think so too. Um, but then again, for me, you know, it's just Liverpool fans, be patient. Club can get things right. Club will get things right. You know, Young club um, wasn't patient. So. Yeah, because, you know, Tuko had to go. That's the Chelsea way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the Chelsea way. And as, you know, the owner said, you're just the way they saw the club and the way he saw it were two different you know, views so took we just had to go but now let's talk about this is the moment i've been waiting for tricks i don't like to like since oh, sunday yeah. i've just been waiting for this moment when will i get to talk to tricks about <laughs> manchester city versus manchester united i've been waiting for it like tricks i've been thinking about it dreaming about it and now i have the chance Hi, Chooks. How are you doing? Yeah, Ibuka, I'm doing very well, as, as you can see. And if you've been listening mm. all through 
to the sound of my voice, you see that nothing is wrong. Everything is okay and cool, calm at the, at this point. Of course, of course. So we witnessed Manchester City trash, <laughs> destroy, dismantle. <laughs> we, we we witnessed them do unspeakable things to Manchester United, chicks. And I was very lucky because I saw that game Arango with the 12th Red Devil and you know, the guys that run the 12th Red Devil program, which is something that our listeners should also check out. If you're a Manchester United fan, please check out the 12th Red Devil on Twitter. They have a lot of content and they do um, watch-alongs, so you get to watch Manchester United games with fellow Manchester United fans or with haters like me. So, I was there and <clears throat> you know, I was just you know, hoping for the best and then, you know, Phil Foden set things off. I was like, okay. And then Haaland, I was like, okay. And I can remember when it was 2-0, I had to quickly do something. So, I just stepped out for a bit, came back and it was 4-0. I was like, wow. It's today my birthday. Like, wow, what's going on here? <laughs> It was it was fantastic. It was so good. That's for me. But Chooks, I just want to know about you. Like, how was the game? Well, so I would first of all say it was an horrendous showing by the red side of Manchester. The city was painted blue all through and through, and it just seemed like it could. It was a tale of of two sides. So on one side, uh, there was a side of despair for the red side of Manchester and the light and joy on the other side of Manchester, the blue side. But from my perspective, I think it was a game of two halves. And in each of the halves, you'd see that Man City, yes, came out tops of that team. But I'll go down to the tactics. So first off, I think United or Eric Ten Hag didn't set up his team to defend. He came to that game tactically on a very proud note like you don't go to city and expect to dominate the ball and, and all of that you you come to the etihad stadium you go there to defend and try to hit them on the counter attack but he expected his team to go out there and be brave based on the tactics he had set our ball <laughs> we saw the total opposite and <laughs> it was shocking to the manager i'm sure because in his post-match conference he <laughs> He said the following things. He said, it's quite simple. It's a lack of belief. When you don't believe on the pitch, then you can't win games. And that is unacceptable. For me, that is the highlight of that was the highlight of the whole game. If you look at the three goals United were able to pull off in the second half, in those moments of play, if you watch the patterns of play that led up to the goal, you'll see that the team in those moments showed courage on the ball. But conceding six is still unacceptable because it's not just about what you do when you have the ball. It's what you do when you do not have the ball. And more and more, we, we start seeing that the gears, the gears um, footwork is going to be one of the things that are going to let United and Eric Ten Hag down because he can't seem to get the ball into the right play, places or players at the right times. And that's that distribution is going to be a constant headache for, for Eric Ten Hag. Nonetheless, nonetheless, if you do 
want to take out positives from that game, there were a few. That's what United, of course. And the few takeaways you could have is in those moments where the goals came, you could see the pattern of play Eric Ten Hag is trying to put together. Now, that's on the ball, and you could take that away as, as a positive ball. Still, there's going to be a lot of headache for United fans because if the team cannot be disciplined in, sorry, out of possession, then that means there's still a lot of work for the manager to do. And if the heart is not there, if that bravery, that courage to go and the opponent isn't there, then there's still a long way for the manager to go. <laughs> but let's not forget, United did not just come off, they didn't come up just against a city side. They came up against an animal of a human being in the person of Elgin Hyde. Like, like, hey, you're yet. You guys, you guys are yet to play this guy, and all I can say is, it's unstoppable, man. It's unstoppable. <laughs> As tough as we tell you, Saliba is going to stop him. <laughs> so, I don't know about that. Man City and Arsenal play in like two weeks' time or so, so we'll be able to see if. <laughs> Good to see if Saliba can stop Haaland, but I doubt it, man. I seriously doubt it. That's 14 goals down in, in eight Premier League matches. I, I'm not sure what number we're going to, to see at the end of the season. It's not just 14 goals in eight, it's three hat-tricks in eight. And when you look at it, you know, compared to other guys that use 200 and something appearances to get three hat-tricks, it's crazy. Or when you even when you even look at the greats, um, Messi, Ronaldo, how long it took them to get three hat tricks. Like his career goals, you know, at this age, he has more career goals at twenty two than Messi and Ronaldo had, and that's because he he even is combined. scoring at the he's, he's scoring at a ridiculous rate. Like this guy is a monster. We thought he was going to struggle in the Premier League. There were talks of, oh, this yeah. is not the Bundesliga. The Bundesliga is a farmer's league. And it felt like all of that was just fueling him to come to England and say, I'm going to make you guys farmers. <laughs> like, I'm really going to make you guys farmers. <laughs> because we talked about him being unstoppable. Who can stop him? And, you know, some United fans being optimistic, loving and supporting their club, they said, Martinez. And I was like, okay. The thing, is, sure the thing is, the thing is, the thing is, he didn't even. How would I put it? He didn't. He didn't have to go up against Martinez. Do you get? There were not a lot of aerial duels for him to come up one on one against Martinez or beat him for pace or his hat trick. So, so the thing is this, right? His second goal, the KDB pass. There's this argument, and I don't know what side of that argument you're on. That if. Martinez was an inch taller, he would have intercepted <laughs> that pass. So I don't know what side of the argument you're on, uh, Chooks. Do you think it's nah. true? Or you don't believe so? I think I think it's I think it's hocus pocus. People are just trying to to okay. put something on Martinez. <laughs> so now to be clear, that that pass from Kevin De Bruyne, if Martinez was an inch taller, the pass would have been an inch higher. I can bet you, if you watch, um, if you watch out of the fourteen goals Haaland have scored, if you watch those that were assisted by Kevin De Bruyne. Now, I, I watched a video clip about Kevin De Bruyne, and over the last three seasons in City, he puts the ball in that sweet spot too many times, and no one can stop it. So I, I don't even think it was okay. If he tried that pass and Martinez was an intro and he got it out, there would have been another pass, the same place into that sweet spot, and 
of course Haaland would be there. So I think people are just um, drawing I, at I straws think, to fix something on Martinez. Jake, I think I think you're wasting your talents in the financial sector. You need to become a lawyer. Cause <laughs> like, I, I love the way I defend you, Martinez. But but then no, no, since, since, he came, since he came to the Premier League, no, since he came to the Premier League, the discussion has always been about his height, and he's hardly even on the losing head and in aerial deals. So it's it's. I feel for the man because I think we're about the same height and I played that same position back back then. What? <laughs> no one. No, nah. I, I'm a, I'm an inch taller or something, but I'm just saying like okay. I'm not the tallest of centre backs that has played, but no one could beat me in the air either. Like I got my positioning right, and that was all that mattered. So it's it's somehow when people try to to put a lot on him when when it's really not. It's it's one of those. I, I get you, but I I still call him out for the for um, Haaland's third goal to complete his hat-trick because uh, when the ball went wide left before the cross came in you know Martinez had a good understanding of where Haaland was but then when the cross came in I think he just took two three steps uh, more and Haaland was free to just you know hit it uh, in the back of the net so that's the one goal that i would say okay yeah martinez could have done better but well you could argue that for the second goal the height was not the issue we've i've just been seeing a lot of arguments of, about that on twitter i don't know who is right and who is wrong but if you're saying that if martinez was, was an inch taller the pass would be an inch higher then okay no Allah, no problem I'll just of, let it go of course the brain can score <laughs> the brain saw the man he saw the man and he knew the right height to take it over him so he, he, if it was an inch taller, he would have gone an inch higher and Haaland would still okay. have been on the end of that pass Check, check, you're, you're my brother let's go <laughs> let's go <laughs> but I, I want i want you to talk about the positives it can be difficult thinking of good things when your team concedes six goals. When two players score hat-tricks, it's, yes, going to be quite difficult. But, scoreline aside, there are one or two positives from that game. Could you tell us you know, what you saw as positives? So, for me, uh, the positives are usually difficult to see in this situation like you mentioned but if we go back and look at the three goals and the build up the lead up to those goals therein lies the positives so i think one of the biggest arguments or criticisms oligona social got was there was no pattern to his play we just it was all vibes and and anybody with the skill should use their skill the way they want and probably we, we bust up with a goal or something but in those moments you could see the gear showed some courage in retaining the ball. We played out from the back in those moments. I remember them this time there was a heavy press on the left-hand side and Luke Shaw had come on. So Luke Shaw, uh, Licha and I think it was McTominay or I don't know if um, it was Casemiro at that point. They showed a lot of calm in beating the press and from there they got the ball back to the gear who switched it to Dalo. And then we built from the back in that process, beating the press, just being calm in possession. And that's one of the things the manager has spoken a lot about. So it's one of the things, one of the ways he expects his team to play, to be able to dominate the ball, dictate the play of the game, the pace of the game. 
and dictates play in general. Switching when you should. The goal from Anthony was switched from, from left to right quickly and then Anthony found that little pocket of space to take a shot and he took it excellently well. So even though he didn't have a great game, in that moment when the play was good from the team, he was able to show his brilliance and take that shot. The third goal that was out of Martin, the penalty that Martial got, you saw the team overloading on the left side of City. And those little moments, even the, the second goal when Fred made a late run into the box and got the pass, then Martial finished off with the header. It's, it was all positive in those moments. And if United fans can sit back and watch these moments and see that this is what the manager expects. This is a footprint he's this is a blueprint he's trying to work with. Then we can see that in the next two, three seasons. So maybe three is a long time away. But in the next two seasons we're able to have a solid team that can perfect the play the manager expects and maybe United will be back at the summit. Well that's the hope and dream of every Manchester United fan. I know earlier in the season when we did the episode announcing Eric Ten Hag as United's manager, we talked about expectations and I know a few United fans said we just want to see a defined pattern of play and we are seeing that, yeah, to be honest, we're seeing that with the way United play and I I think this is just a one-off, it's not important to dwell on the results, it's just to focus on the positives, go back to the training ground, work on the things that the team did not get right and just keep trying because that's what that's what is needed at this point but chooks we just um kind of look forward to the weekend and arsenal is playing liverpool this is the high-flying arsenal that we talked about and then the liverpool that can't keep a clean sheet and you know a lot of their players are not playing well. Arsenal is at home at the Emirates and I just want to know just quickly before we wrap up this episode what do you think is going to happen? You know, Arsenal-Liverpool historically it's a high-scoring game and both teams usually score. Are you expecting something similar or do you think this time is going to be different and you know, whatever happens whether it's similar or different who are you tipping to come out of that match with three points. So it's it's a very tough game for both sides, really. And it's one that both managers are thinking we must get a win for Arsenal. Everyone is looking at Arsenal and wondering, are these guys really serious or is this the normal initial gra-gra we see? That is this the faint... How would I put it now? Is this a show-off for, for the short term? Uh, in the real, when the heat gets tough, the the tough in Arsenal will be out of the of, of them. But we don't know yet. And like you said, when we were discussing Arsenal and their title hopes, it's early days. But this is a game that can prove to be a statement for from Arsenal. If Arsenal go into this one, well, the game against Tottenham, yes, the debate about the red card will still come up, and no one is really certain yet. But if Arsenal are able to go and walk walk through this Liverpool side as if they are not standing there, then that would be a statement for, for all Premier League teams to watch out for them. I know they still have City in the future and that would be 
the most defining moment of the season, I think, for them. But at this point, it would be a statement if they can go ahead to beat Liverpool. Now, for Liverpool, Liverpool need a result. They've been dropping off points left, right, and center, and, and it looks like, well, in the Premier, in the Champions League, they came off winners today, 2-0 against the team they come up against again. I was Rangers. They played okay. Rangers. Thank you. So it wasn't a supposedly difficult game, but getting goals um, midweek could push the team forward in the weekend to get a result. But they do need a result in the Premier League. And this is that game that can also show that Liverpool is still a serious team or one of the teams to fear, even though they're not looking at it or they've not looked at it thus far. For me, going into this game, I think Liverpool, um, sorry, Arsenal have the upper hand. Thomas Partey is back. They are looking, or they looked like a better side over this weekend playing Tottenham. It looked like the manager got his tactics spot on and the players delivered to the letter. And that would be very important going into that game. If Trent is having a bad game on that day, I think Liverpool would definitely suffer. If you have Martinelli and Jesus coming off on that right, right flank, coming, cutting into the box, you're going to have trouble. And that would be trouble for the centre-backs Van Dyke, Konate, or, or if it's Gomez playing there or Matip, I think Matip will most likely start start with Van Dyke in that game. And I expect Trent to be defensively responsible. If it's if he's not on his A game, which is not even his A game is not even a hundred percent in terms of defending. So if he's not on his A game on that day, Liverpool would suffer, and I think Arsenal would walk through them like. Like standing dogs, and yeah, I think that just that battle, bad. that battle between Martinelli and Trent is going to be something very interesting because if Martinelli gets the upper hand, then you could see Arsenal scoring a goal from that side. But if Trent gets the upper hand and is able to push forward and create, you know, Trent when he wants to be Trent, he can be, you know unplayable so it's going to be interesting to watch I'm, I'm excited i won't lie to you i'm excited yeah i'm excited and looking forward to that game as well as many others happening in that matrix it's it's a chance for united to get back to winning ways well a chance for chelsea to to beat wolves who would be without manager bruno large but a lot to look forward to in that game week. For now, we've seen everything that's happened in match week 8 of the Premier League. But we'll be looking forward to match week 9. And when that comes, of course, the empty stands will be with you to cover that one. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And subscribe on any platform you listen on. Ebuka, it was nice having you today. As always. Nice being and here, Chooks. <laughs> Yeah, nice one, man. Nice one, as always. And guys, thank you for listening to this point. It's bye for now from the Empty Stands Podcast.